right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason. I am your host. This is the only show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of investment banking. You know what it is. I mean, I've been looking. I've been looking out there. I haven't found a show like this. Trust me, if it existed already, I would be listening to it and wouldn't have felt the need to create this. But you know what? I just feel like there's so many people who want to learn about investment banking principles, who want to get into the industry just like myself. And I'm coming at this from like basically nothing, like not knowing, never taken an accounting class in my life, never studied a business class formally in my life until a couple months ago. And I'm just like, wouldn't it be so cool if I take other people on this journey with me? And so that's why I'm here. Thank you for joining me. We're talking about valuation today, specifically valuation question related to a specific industry. We haven't talked about this much, but industries have some very specific economics sometimes, and it's important to understand the lingo and the metrics associated with those industries if we're ever going to start analyzing those businesses for future deals or future transactions. So let's go ahead today and talk about oil and gas. The question today is this, how do you value an oil and gas company? How do you value an oil and gas company as opposed to a quote unquote regular or standard company? <laughs> well, the thing is, if you use the methods of publicly traded comparables, comparable companies or precedent transactions, your process might look actually really similar to the process that you use for other types of companies. Because if you compare an oil and gas company to a bunch of other oil and gas companies, you should be able to get some kind of reasonable estimate for valuation. And that just makes logical sense. But the thing is, there are some additional metrics that you can use in your screening process in order to make this process a little bit easier for you. So here's a couple of terms related to the oil and gas industry that may be important for you to know. The first term is something called proven reserves. Proven reserves, and what does that mean? It's kind of an interesting term. Well, it basically means that, so first of all, let me back up. <laughs> what, are, what are oil and gas companies in the business of doing? What do they do? What's their business model at a super high level? Well, they go out into the world, they search for commodities, natural resources that are in the ground or ocean somewhere, and they extract it and refine it, and then they sell it. And this is how gasoline gets in cars. This is how jet fuel gets in airplanes. This is literally the stuff that, at least as of 2023, still effectively runs the world. Now, there are other forms of energy, and I don't want to like, get into all that because there's so much to say about that. But oil and gas have undeniably, up until the present moment that I'm recording this, shaped society and the economies within society. So that's what oil and gas companies do. They find natural resources and they take them out of the ground. So with that being said, part of those companies' value is derived from understanding how much accessible resources they have within their legal purview or within their ownership. So proven reserves is defined as Based on scientific data, you know that there is at least a 90% chance 
that a given area has both the existence of natural resources and you know that that resource can be extracted from the ground profitably. So that's what a proven reserve is. You basically have a really good probability estimate that you can extract something out of the ground. And if you take proven reserves and you divide it by last year's production, that's a metric that you can use in the industry because it gives you a sense of how many years of proven reserves currently exists on the company's balance sheet. So imagine that you've got a lot of proven reserves and but you're not producing that much per year relative to your reserves, then that means that you as the oil company or natural gas company, you have a lot of backlog left. You've got a lot of material to work with. You, That's basically your inventory right there is the oil or gas in the ground. However, if you say are producing a lot on a yearly basis of oil barrels or natural gas barrels relative to your proven reserves, and maybe your proven reserves are declining significantly, then you might be worried. You might be needing to do more exploration and find more commodities out there that you can extract. So those are some things that you might need to consider. And then there's also just the daily production that you could look at as a metric. How many barrels of oil, for example, is being produced daily at this company, like an ExxonMobil or a Chevron? Another term that you might want to understand is EBITDAX. EBITDAX. So EBITDAX, and that's E-B-I-T-D-A-X, so just EBITDA with an X at the end, stands for Earnings Before Interest, Taxes, Depreciation, Amortization, and Exploration. So exploration is added in as this additional thing here to EBITDA. And that's because oil and gas companies typically spend a lot of money to explore for new resources in the ground and then to actually drill into the earth to get it. Now, excluding these costs can give investors a sense of how much money the ongoing operation of the company actually produces. So think about that. If a company is spending a ton of money exploring for new proven reserves, well, that doesn't necessarily play into how much money they're making on an ongoing basis from their existing reserves, right? It's kind of like, I would see it as kind of <laughs> like I would if I was thinking about a pharmaceutical company or some other type of company. So that's another term that you might want to know is EBITDAX. Now, when looking at a DCF type of analysis, let's say we don't want to use precedent transactions or comparable companies here. If you want to look at some kind of DCF analysis, you might actually not use your traditional DCF. You might use something called a net asset value model, net asset value model, or NAV. And this type of model differs from your standard DCF analysis in that it looks at the sum, and this is my basic understanding here because I haven't actually built one of these yet, but Essentially, you're looking at the sum of the present value of the assets of the company, in this case, the proven reserves, and also accounting for the costs related to the production to get those reserves. And this type of approach might make sense because the company's primary value, remember the business model we talked about a few minutes ago, it's derived from the commodities that it produces. Now, you can contrast this with other types of companies. Let's say a company, just your regular old company that makes widgets, 
like water bottles or something. That kind of a company is taking commodities, raw material, and producing finished goods, which is very different than an oil and gas company, which is literally going to the earth and extracting something of value and then selling it to other companies who then go and make finished goods from it. So that's a major difference and why this net asset value approach kind of makes sense because the value of the company is really derived from the value of the assets that they have and the prices that they can charge for them at any given point in time. Yes. Okay. That was a lot, (laughs) but I hope that you learned something from it. There are also other idiosyncrasies with the oil and gas industry, but they are definitely beyond the scope of this episode. I didn't want to go too long on such a niche topic here, but who knows? Maybe we'll talk about it again sometime in the future. But those are some things that you may want to consider. Consider the metrics are different. Consider proven reserves, last year's production, daily production, Consider your EBIT DAX, as well as consider using a net asset value type of model to model your cash flows. All right, that's what I got here today on Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason. I am your host. Thank you for joining me for an entire 10 minutes of your day. Wow, that's precious. You gave me 10 minutes of your day, and I'm so grateful. (laughs) Hope you have an amazing day, whatever you're doing. Keep grinding, keep hustling. Thank you for the messages. Thank you for the ratings and reviews and sharing the podcast. I see the growth of the show every day and I'm so grateful. Hope you enjoy. Take care.